Welcome to the International Podcast. Conversations that matter from around the world. From politics, entertainment, culture, the arts, lifestyle, and more. The International brings you various perspectives from key voices. And now, over to the host of the International, G. Van Robinson. Good day, everyone. I am Jivan Robinson, host of The International, and I am very pleased today to have as my guest a candidate in the federal elections for Canada for the Markham Thornhill area for the Green Party. And I want to welcome to The International, Mimi Lee. Good day to you, Mimi. As a as a freshman on, on, on the political scene, what, what's the experience been like? Is it rigorous? What have people been saying to you as you go out and you meet people? Well, the experience has been actually very, very amazing. Like, I meet a lot of really amazing people helping me with the campaign here and there. Um, but then, of course, you know, running for the Green Party, a lot of people just go, you know, you have a very slight chance. And I'm like going, well, whatever chance I have, we don't know what's the outcome. If we don't run, there will be no chance at all. Of course, of course. And Mimi, you're described as a, as a single mom, you're a human rights activist, you've been an editor and a publisher also. As I was going through and, and reading up about you, you say that you're hoping to bring special change to Parliament. Could you expand on that a bit more as to what you mean by special change, bringing special change to Parliament? First and foremost, if you actually look into my platform on teammimili.ca, you will see that I've been working across the party line with different MPs. And I think this is exactly what we need to make changes as we have seen little from time to time, uh, especially in the last year, that certain bills were passed through different party lines. But we need it to be done in a much bigger scope, mm -hmm. in really everything. As long as those things are actually good for Canadians, we should not have that party boundaries within us. Right. So you're bringing, hopefully, a more inclusive type of governance where all parties work across political divides to bring the change that would be beneficial for the public. It is more along those lines you're talking. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, we're living in very interesting times and especially here in Canada, around the world, COVID-19, the pandemic, this has dominated the conversation for the past uh, 18 months, really. It's actually even longer than 18 months. Even longer than that, of course. So here we are now where the conversation is rather dynamic and it is changing. The conversation now is moving towards, you know, vaccination and also too a hot topic on the election trail is whether vaccines should be mandated, not just by the federal government and their various workers and institutions, but also too by the private sector. What, what are your views on this, this being a very hot topic on the election trail? Well, I think people should have their own choice what to do with their body. And I don't think mandating the vaccine is the way to go. People should be encouraged to get the vaccine instead of, you know, putting boundaries that 
non-vaccinated people cannot do or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like there are different reasons why people don't want to get the vaccines. And we shouldn't be actually put policies in place for it. Mm-hmm. That's look at it. Right. Because you've seen, Mimi, the conversation move away. Initially, when the whole conversation of vaccines came up, it was that vaccines will not be mandatory. We've heard the officials say this. And we've seen the conversation come gradually now where it's a situation where making life difficult, if you like, for those individuals who choose not to take the vaccine. And mind you, I'm sure you would agree that all the the persons who do not want to take the vaccines are not anti-vaxxers. They do have legitimate reasons. They have legit reasons behind things, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for yourself, if elected to parliament, how would you work well against this policy or to simplify this policy, so to speak? What, what would you what would you be bringing in terms of collaborating with your colleagues along these lines? Well, I would, as I said, you know, I, I would go against actually a policy to mandate the vaccination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, like, it all comes down to what kind of um, agreements everybody can can reach right and the thing is like at the end of the day like how can we make sure that everybody has their own will and choice that is actually being respected Mm -hmm. as as we all see you know like a lot of other countries have not been in placing that vaccine passports right even communist party has not done it mm-hmm. why is canada doing this right <laughs> that that is that is the big question right now exactly <laughs> interesting your, your healthcare platform you, you talk about care for seniors and young persons and again referring to the pandemic seniors in particular uh, they have had a bit of a quote-unquote rough ride uh, with oh. the of the nursing home issue, stuff like that. Talk to us a bit more about how you plan to bring more help and more change for them. Well, for for long-term care um, related uh, services, I think we should have it actually offered under the public sector mm-hmm. instead of you know having the private sector to actually uh, put extreme expensive costs on it. Mind you, we all understand, you know, seniors already have very little income. And with that said, that burden, really the cost, is actually then goes on to the families. And everybody knows now that life in Canada is not easy. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make sense. You know, why, why would we not able to provide actually a decent uh, life with dignity to mm-hmm. our elderly, right? Yes, of course. And mental health, that's another issue that you, you talk about. And I've heard quite a few experts saying that one of the biggest things that will come out of this pandemic is the mental health 
of our communities. So, and I realize that this is a very important thing for you and your platform equally. So how would you work from a healthcare perspective, a wellness perspective to include more treatment, more facilities uh, for mental health uh, recovery for the community? Well, that's exactly what uh, you have just said. We, we want to expand that coverage to mental health and especially for, for youth as well. Because like they are left brain center with all those different pressures and, and they are not going anywhere. Like it's, I have a 20, 23 year old son. Right. He's turning 24 very soon. And he's telling me like, there's really nothing they can do because in their, in their eyes, they got screwed. <laughs> got screwed? Could you? Did he expand? Got screwed in, in, in which way? Sorry. Could you expand on, on what he meant by they got screwed? The young persons. Well, you know, you see, like housing is no longer affordable for them. Mm -hmm. Like how many times of income we are looking at nowadays to actually be able to buy a place? Yeah. It's just ridiculous, right? Like nobody can get on their own home well not really nobody but like really little people compared to before mm -hmm. the, the younger generations you know like and majority of them are looking for parents grandparents to help them which we didn't have to do that our, our parents didn't have to do that so why are they in this situation Mm -hmm. It's a lot of complex uh, things that resulted this, of course. But then at the same time, you know, there are so many things that, you know, they face a lot of challenges. Yeah. And of course, with all that said, then the mental health issue comes along. You know, Mimi, it's quite interesting you speak of the housing issue because some voters have been indicating that this will be a platform on which they will be casting their vote in this upcoming federal election. And as you correctly alluded to there, in that housing is becoming more and more unaffordable for younger persons looking to get on the market. But particularly, we see, I, I know in certain areas, there's an influx of outside capital that has come into the market bought up these condominiums, inflating the prices so that individuals here, young persons, as we're speaking about particularly, they cannot afford to get on the housing market. You speak about stay strong in freedom. And one of the things you mentioned there in terms of your platform is stop relying on communist countries' import and financial investment. And particularly with the housing issue, and we're talking about inflation of prices, we know a lot of money comes into the housing market from the Far East, uh, China in particular. Um, so in terms of your stay strong in freedom and stop relying on communist countries to import financial investment, just expand on that concept a bit more for us, please. Well, I think it's first, first and foremost, it's not just the financial uh, mm -hmm. strength that we are talking about. I, I'm actually on my platform is talking about everything. Mm -hmm. We are talking local businesses. We want to rebuild our own supply chain. We want to untangle any form of dependency aboard. Mm -hmm. 
now, so go back to the to the housing market that we are talking about. You right. see how the liberals right now, their platform is saying that they want to to ban foreign buyers for two years. Why two years? What could you have done in two years? Make sure that we have enough public housing or subsidized housing for people to get in their homes. Their rent-to-own program is ridiculous. Having a rent-to-own program is really push more buyers into the market. It's going to drive the whole thing up even more so without actually adding the supply. Mm-hmm. You like they're not actually looking into solve the issue. They are actually putting patches on where it's leaking, and it's not even a good form of patch. One of the things, particularly with the housing market, and from the the research that I've been doing, is that a lot of these condominiums have been they've been bought, but they're empty. That's no one right. owns them. So mm-hmm. you've got hundreds and hundreds of condominiums that are sitting empty that are owned by people who don't live here and will never come here. Um, mm-hmm. They have significantly uh, impacted the price and impacted the housing market so much so that young persons cannot get on this housing market. But I want to talk about the recovery, Mimi. And we know that COVID-19 has well, not destroyed, but it has significantly impacted the economy towards the downside. And the recovery is going to be important. What type of recovery do you envision? And also, to what are the jobs of the future that you see coming forward or should come forward? Well, as I said earlier, like I, I'm all for helping small businesses. During this whole pandemic, small businesses are the ones that actually squeezed the most. So many of small business couldn't even move forward. They had to close down. And what have our government done? They handed out money directly to citizens and residents. Like they should have actually helped the small businesses to be able to stay in business so that people actually be able to keep their jobs. Mm-hmm. That way, and, and that's what I was referring to, is that we we want to see more local businesses actually come alive, come back alive. And then we can create a lot more job opportunities, whatever sector that is in. And and go back to the supply chain manufacturing and and things that we no longer need to rely on anybody else but ourselves you know like it could be more produced locally you know anything in that regards because small business consists of over 90 percent of our economy right so that's important and that's exactly how we need to have those small businesses back in running create more jobs and then more made in Canada going on. You know, you see how even our Canadian flags are being sold in Canada are made in China. <laughs> Look at that. 
<laughs> Look at that. The maple leaf being manufactured in China, not even here in Canada, in Saskatchewan or Manitoba or somewhere like that, but uh, from the Far East. Folks, we are speaking, you're listening to the International Podcast, and we're speaking with Mimi Lee. And Mimi is a candidate in the upcoming federal elections for the Markham Thornhill riding, and she will be running with the Green Party. Mimi, interesting conversation so far, and thank you so much for sharing all the information that you're sharing. We want to talk about jobs. We want to talk about immigration particularly. How would you work to make it easier for immigrants coming into this country? There is a problem where people come from where they come from, and they come with their qualifications. They've been to university. They've studied their first degree, second degree. However, when they come into Canada, they're told that these qualifications are not recognized, then these qualified individuals have to either go and retrain or work in other sectors that, because they have to provide obviously for their families, work in other sectors that they do not really uh, wish to because the educational qualifications are not recognized. How would you work to standardize this, Mimi? Well, first and foremost, I want to make sure that uh, your viewers uh, understand the, the, the actual issue mm -hmm. with it. First of all, over the last 30, 40 years, we have been accepting a lot of immigrants, mm -hmm. a lot. And and we we probably are both immigrants. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, with that said, there are a lot of different education system institutions around the world and how i look at it first and foremost is that we have to understand and accept the world rankings especially the institutions that are actually under the same commonwealth system right there are a lot of immigrants that actually came from their own country of origin and they would have actually got trained in a much higher ranking globally than a Canadian university. Mm -hmm. And still, they are faced with all these red tapes, blockage with Canadian experience that you don't have, uh, with, um, you know, like unions or professional bodies that they do not accept. Uh, they're too protective in, mm. in my viewpoints that they don't accept the foreign trainings. And that's how I would like to see is that I'm not too sure if your viewers are familiar with how the immigration system works for the longest time, mm -hmm. is that the immigration department actually look at what we need in Canada and they and they give points to qualify professionals and attract them to come to Canada so that we can build Canada together just as you were having your education here in Canada. Now, when that happens and I want to bring up specifically is nurses and doctors. We have been yelling for decades. We don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nurses. 
-hmm. And what happens when they come along? Unless you know people in the industry, you actually got a job before you even come over. Otherwise, you have a lot of difficulties that actually wanting to get back into the professions. And this is not acceptable. You, we understand, you know, like we can train a lot more doctors and nurses locally, but pretty obvious that rates of us training them is not catching up. Otherwise, we would not have this whole situation with people cannot find their family doctors. Mm -hmm. and and see how all the um, hospitals have been flooding even before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Patients are being placed on corridors. What does it even tell you? How our health care system is breaking down. How badly it can go and we are still accepting more immigrants, which is not something that I oppose because we all built Canada. Mm -hmm. And how Canada is being built is because of all these different people having different talent. But then why are we not able to serve the country the way that we have been serving in our own country of origins initially? And then we have to pick something else just because there are roadblocks. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you'll be campaigning and working towards uh, fixing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mimi, I think it would be remiss of me for us to have a conversation and not talk about Afghanistan and what is happening there. And let me get straight to it. How would you describe the Canadian involvement and handling of what is happening in Afghanistan presently? I feel really bad with uh, what's going on and, and, and everyone related or still there gets stuck. And the way that, like, I don't even think we are really doing a whole lot because we are relying on the states mm -hmm. to help our people out and get home. Mm -hmm. And this is what, this is the 30, 30th? Yes. And the deadline is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know how Canada's voices had been getting so weak over the last decade. Mm -hmm. You see how we we support the NATO. We have done a lot of different missions aboard. And when it comes to rescuing overseas Canadians, we are nowhere close to be able to do what we are supposed to do. It's not even the Afghanistan situation that we are talking about. Look at Canadians in China, in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. 
they are facing very, very tough situation. And we don't know when that situation is going to go even worse. And what happened to the two Michaels? We all can see. Mm -hmm. We're going to so, come. Sorry, go ahead. So in that regards, I can't see our government is actually protecting our human rights. Right. We're going we're gonna to come back to that point momentarily. I just want to, so, so on the Afghanistan situation particularly, you're saying, do you think that Prime Minister Trudeau could have done more? And if so, what more do you think he could have done? Well, look, he called the election. With that said, the parliament is no longer functioning. There are things that probably we need the parliament to go through. I'm not very familiar with how the defense department here works and, you know, all that stuff. It's mm -hmm. not my. I, I do think, of course, you know, the ministry itself, they would have their own way to function without the parliament, for sure. But then at the same time, there are a lot of things that if if they want to go over and above what they could decide, then the parliament, the government will have to step in and give them actual directions where to go and what to do. Otherwise, you know, like whoever can just do whatever. But, you know, there are a lot of things, including budgeting. You know, how how things can be arranged that could be out of the military's hands. And these are the times that we're supposed to be able, as a government, to be, stand firm and got their backs. Mm -hmm. Especially when they're out there for this long and all the time they're trying to keep peace Globally, you know, these are people that we should be always able to be have their back. You know, Mimi, I'm enjoying our conversation today on the international, but I'm also aware that our allotted time is quickly coming to an end. So by way of wrapping, I know that you have been involved in human rights activities across Canada and Hong Kong, which you spoke about a few moments ago. You spoke about the two Michaels, and I'm aware that you've raised petitions that have also passed through the House of Commons with, with, with flying colors, if I may say. Uh, talk to the audience about some of these petitions you've been involved in, and the two Michaels, which you mentioned just now, I know you have some views on what is happening to them. By way of concluding, can you kindly speak around that in terms of some of the petitions you've been involved in? And with the two Michaels, what could you think uh, could be done to get them back to Canada? Well, the petitions, most of them, you can you can actually go online to teammimili.ca to take a look. I, I wouldn't go extremely detailed on them because, you know, like we have very little time, as you said. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, how we look at it at the end of the day is that we should be 
standing very firm on protecting Canadians' human rights. And with all the time that have passed over two years that we're talking about, um, the Canadian government has always been saying, why are we doing, why are, why this, the Chinese government doing this and that? Uh, uh, we condemn you on this and that, you know. But then there's nothing really they have done. And that's exactly what I was referring to, is that, you know, like, if you know for a fact that Canadians are actually getting more dangerous in certain parts of the world, you need to have a plan how to rescue those people, all of those areas. Okay, folks, we have been speaking with Mimi Lee, and Mimi is a candidate for the Green Party in the upcoming federal elections for the Markham Thornhill area. Mimi, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us here on the International Today about your platform, your candidacy. We wish you all the best in the upcoming elections. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful to have you. Folks, that brings us to the end of the International for this week. I am your host, Jivan Robinson. Until we meet again next week, have yourself a wonderful day. The International Podcast. Conversations that matter from around the world. From politics, entertainment, culture, the arts, lifestyle, and more. The International brings you various perspectives from key voices.